Hello, hello. You gonna say anything? No. Roll, Roll the intro music. music. <laughs> Did we just say it at the same time? Welcome back, everybody, to the We Can Do Better podcast, to the Quarantine Machine. This is Scene 9, and you are listening to Thomas the Jet Martinez, joined alongside Daniel the Dragon Rauschwerger. I'm here in Sarasota on Skype with Daniel, who is in Miami. Daniel, how's this Friday treating you? You know what? TGIF, Thomas. Thank God it's Friday. Not to be confused with the restaurant. I don't like the restaurant, TGI Fridays. But thank God it's Friday. It's Shabbat. How are you doing, Thomas? You know what, Daniel? Uh, It's been a pretty busy last 24 hours. You know, we were talking about it before the show. It's pretty rare that during a quarantine, when the sole purpose of all of this is for, you know, for everybody to be pretty much doing nothing, where you have a really busy 24-hour period. And, you know, I've been bombarded by a lot of stuff by school. And I know our schedules are really in sync right now when it comes to our schoolwork. Absolutely, yeah. I I, uh, I texted you today because usually we do our podcast around one or three o'clock, and I said, "Hey, I can't do the podcast uh, till later. I have a Spanish oral exam at three. Then you texted me. Yeah, I, I have one at one one p.m. today. One p.m. Yeah. Would you look at that? Yeah. You know, we were on point. We both had an exam for the same class earlier this week. Now we both have an exam for the same type of class today in Spanish. You know, Daniel, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Um, how was your exam? How did your exam go? Because I know that um, I know that you had an interesting situation take place during it today. Yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a pretty funny oral exam. We uh, we were do, having our exam over Zoom, like most people do nowadays, and we were supposed to talk about what we wanted to happen in the next five years. Uh, however, me and my partner kind of got into a discussion of politics and through that we then you know got to talking about the presidency and all of a sudden we got onto uh me asking my partner what do you think about joe biden and uh he said yeah in spanish he said i think uh joe biden has dementia and that was about it so that's politics talk from the we can do better podcast that's all you're gonna get from us daniel you know what you know i had a very busy day uh i woke up at 10 30 I worked out, I you know, prepared my script for this Spanish oral exam. I took the exam. It's been a lot because I also I've been having to coordinate, you know, who's going to be on my staff next year for the newspaper, for the sports section. Cuz as you know, I'm taking over as a sports editor for next year. So, you know, there's more responsibility for sure. And on top of that, you know, having to coordinate writers for the FSU Almanac that we do every year, which is, you know, it's kind of like an issue that's it's going to be put on online, of course, this year, which it's meant for inc- incoming students. And it's like kind of tips and information about getting to know Florida State University. So we're nice. putting that together. As you know, I had a paper due last night for right. one of my communication classes, one of my last requirement classes for the communication major. It was three pages double spaced. And, you know, I decided it'd be a good idea to do it. I mean, it was kind of like an extra credit assignment. Like it wasn't that important. Yeah. But it was due at eleven fifty nine, or it was due at midnight, and I started at eleven thirty. I finished Daniel at eleven fifty nine and fifty seven seconds. So oh, you know man. what? We're just 
we're crawling to the finish line right now. We're crawling to the finish line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've lost track of when this semester ends, when summer starts. It's all just a blur of assignments and due dates. But, you know, hey, as, as long as we uh, finish, that's all that matters, crossing that finish line, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we're a NASCAR driver, like we're Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, in the final lap of the 2011 Daytona 500, Daniel, you know, we, we miss sports. You know, we can't talk as much about sports as we usually do on this podcast. But I know that sports has somewhat in- reintroduced itself back into your life recently, right? Yeah, it, it has. It's a, it's a good statement, to say the least. So, as you know, my dad is an avid golfer. And with all the golf courses in Miami being closed, he thought it was a good idea to buy an indoor putting green. So, <laughs> I, uh, I wake up one morning and I walk into my living room to the sound of uh, a, a golf putter hitting a golf ball and something going into a hole. And I thought... What's going on here? <laughs> Peek into my living room, and my dad's, uh, he's putting in our living room with an indoor putting green, and it's kind of great to see. I was like, oh my God, finally, something to do. So for the past couple of days, uh, you know, I've just been, uh, been putting a lot, been working on my, uh, on reading some greens, and, uh, you know, really getting back into the, uh, into the swing of things, you know, uh, it's been really, uh, it's really tough, uh, a lot of great competitors, and uh, really like my uh, my play on the back nine. You know, uh, like I said, just really tough course, and uh, you know, a lot of great competition. Yeah, you know what, Daniel? I think it's the time. You know, we're we're around all of this chaos, and it's time to find that inner peace. It's time to find that inner Davis Love the Third, and that's what you're doing, and I love that. You know, in times of peril, you got to find your inner Davis love the third. And I love that you're doing something that he would do because not only are you putting in your living room, Daniel, you're preparing yourself for the opportunity of a lifetime. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about playing at Augusta National with your dad when this is all over. And you know that those greens at Augusta National are wicked fast, as the Bostonians would like to say, as those in Beantown would like to say. So I love that you're doing that, Daniel. You know, Daniel, another thing that I love is Lou Williams saying on Bleach Report, or I saw it on Bleach Report at least, he was saying that Kawhi Leonard, and this is unrelated to Davis Love III, but he said that Kawhi Leonard talks the most in the Clippers group chat, you know, during this whole quarantine pandemic, you know, you're in your house, you're more compelled to talk on the phone to your friends. He says that Kawhi Leonard, Mr. Fun Guy, is talking the most in that group chat. Do you believe that? Uh, That's it. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's lying, to be honest with you. Would, But I, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi Leonard is just like a super outgoing guy. Right. Like two friends. Yeah. Like, I would, what are the odds? I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a stand-up comic. You know, he's in the locker room. He's like, so I was standing there the other day and, you know, I said, uh, yeah, I'm Kawhi what's Leonard. With, what's the big deal with airplane food, huh? And everybody's like, ah, oh, Kawhi. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I I think he's the biggest personality in the world. I think we just don't see it. I think that his personality is too big for us to see all of it. And I think that when we're done with all of this, I think he's going to come back and he's going to be a different man. You know, he's going to be a different man in front of the camera. And I'm excited to see it, Daniel. I'm excited to see Kawhi Leonard unleashed because we've seen glimpses of the fun guy. We've seen it. We've seen it at the championship parade. We saw it when he was introduced in Toronto. I just want, I want a new Kawhi. I want like, you know how when LeBron came to Miami, we saw like a different side of LeBron? Oh, yeah. 
Well, I, w- I want to see that with Kawhi Leonard. I feel like he has a huge personality. I'm not surprised if he turns himself into like the Magic Johnson type charisma of this generation of basketball players. <laughs> Thanks for the joke. <laughs> All right, what's up, guys? So We Can Do Better is an amazing podcast that helps you learn about sports in the easiest way possible. You've seen me surprise my co-anger with absurd rants. So please, if you ever want to hear about our lives as sports fans, click the link in our bio on Instagram and Twitter at WCDBpod and use promo code THOMAS to get $20 off your first purchase. Just kidding. We don't have sponsors. So a lot of you might be asking a question right now. You're sitting in quarantine, not that much to do. You know, a lot of time to think, a lot of time on your hands. A lot of you might be asking, where is Norris Cole now? You know, you know him, Daniel. I know him. Legendary Miami Heat, big three era player. Number 30, Norris Cole. What is he doing today? What is he doing today? He's being great. He's spreading the knowledge of basketball across the world. You know, a lot of people look at Norris Cole and immediately they think a winner. They think skill, talent, charisma, leadership, IQ. Probably one of the smartest basketball players to ever play the game. He's out of Cleveland State University. His jersey is retired by the Vikings, Daniel. One could argue that he's the most influential athlete, most influential figure to ever come out of that city. You know, when I think of Cleveland, I think of three people. I think of LeBron James at number three, who's not even, he's not even from Cleveland. He's from Akron, actually. Right. I think of number two, Anderson, the wild man, Bergeau. If you want to talk about somebody who not only had a huge impact on Cleveland sports, but the economy and social growth in the area. And then number one on that list, Daniel, is Norris Cole, somebody who fundamentally changed the social fabric of Northeast Ohio. And you know what? He did that, Daniel by one game in a 2009 NCAA tournament. Let me take you back to the round of 64. It was number four versus number 13. And this is when the legend of Norris Cole, you know, was born. He led the team to win over number four, Wake Forest, the only tournament win in program history. You know, when you talk about the Vikings program and the high points in that program's history, you talk about Norris Cole you know he he came out of uh, college he came into the draft was he drafted in the first round I think he was drafted at the end of the first round yes Norris Cole was actually he was he he went through a roller coaster in the first round he was drafted by the Bulls with the 28th pick right and then he got traded to uh, Minnesota who then traded uh, dealt him to the Miami Heat and you know some say Nobody wanted him. I say it's fate. I say the rest is history, Daniel, because he gets drafted 2011-2012 season. The Miami Heat win a championship. Year two, after that first parade down Biscayne Boulevard, soon to be renamed Dwayne Wade Boulevard, he led them to a second championship. That's right. He led them to a second championship in 2012-2013. And Daniel... I just want to talk about the moment when you knew that Norris Cole was going to be Norris Cole. Listen, listen. When when I knew Norris Cole was going to be Norris Cole, it was in the Miami Heat's annual red and black scrimmage. When he played them in camp, he not only impressed the coaches, but he impressed his teammates. 
And when you earn teammates' respect, you earn every you earn everybody's respect. And when you earn everybody's respect, you earn the city's respect. And when you earn that respect, you got to perform. And listen, listen, we both know when you talk about performance, you talk about when the Miami Heat played the Boston Celtics, right? You remember that game? Scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. He made so many crucial shots. That man was on fire. Fire. What did he finish with? Like 20 points, four assists, four rebounds, three steals. Daniel, that was the day that Norris Cole put the world on notice. When you want to talk about the biggest events to ever happen in our lifetime, number one is Norris Cole bursting on the scene with 20 points against the Boston Celtics. And not only that, he hit the shot that pretty much put that game away. It was an early season game, Daniel. That's when the whole ice coal movement started to take off. And I remember, Daniel, I was watching SportsCenter after that game, and I saw a graphic, you know, when you see the rundown of what's coming up next of what they're going to talk about. Big four, question mark? Big four, question mark? Yeah, because before, it was just a big one, and that big one was Norris Cole. You know, you talked about Norris Cole wanting to earn the respect of those around him. Daniel, that first season was about the players around Norris Cole trying to earn his respect. And you know what? Their performance and letting him take center stage that night completed that task. He was a key role player in the Miami Heat Big Three era. And you know what? Sometimes uh, he might have been running toward the basket and he might have tried to put up a lamp and then decide, wait, I'm not going to do it because I care about my teammates, because I care about their success, because it's not about me. It's not about Norris Cole. It might be about Shane Battier. It might be about Mike Miller. It might be about Ray Allen, and it might be about Richard Lewis. What do you think, Daniel? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, Norris Cole invented a classic move. The the classic pull the defense into the paint as they think that I'm going to make a layup, run underneath the basket, dribble all the way back up to the key, to the top of the arc, and then pass the ball. Listen, when he did that, defenses were scrambling. They were like, what do we do? What do we do? I I don't know what to do. Nobody's ever done this before. He, in himself, kind of recreated the game of basketball. And, you know, with that being said, being not only a recreator, but a key figure in the NBA. Just you talking about it gives me chills. And another thing that gives me chills is thinking about his classic pull-up jumper. You're in a close game. You know, the game's on the line. Who do you give it to? You know, you have LeBron James. You have Dwayne Wade. You have Chris Bosh. You have Ray Allen. You have so many players who are good. Don't get me wrong. They're good, but they're not Norris Cole. You give it to Norris Cole. And, you know, a lot of NBA history, Daniel, and I think you would agree with this, it's kind of predicated on this axis, on this axis that's pre-Norris Cole and post-Norris Cole. And, you know, it all started with that Boston game, and I think his pull-up jumper alongside that willingness, you know, that unselfishness to pass up the ball, to run around the defense, to showcase that speed, it changed, it revolutionized not only the NBA, but American sports as a whole. This whole reintroduction of speed, but precision. And that's what I have to say about Norris Cole, Daniel. I know that you want to talk about another aspect of his game because it's a very multifaceted game that if we really wanted to, 
this ninth episode of this podcast series could have been our ninth episode talking about the game of Norris Cole. Daniel. Yeah, listen, not only was he a sniper, a sharpshooter with the pull-up game, not only was he elite, but he was aggressive, and he had he had that dog in him. You know what I mean? Like everybody's saying, oh, yeah, Norris Cole. Listen, the last seat, the last thing that I want to see when I'm an NBA center is Norris Cole going up for a dunk. Listen, I don't care, Dikembe Matimbo. If you're what was that? Dwight Howard, <laughs> if you're Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaq, Bill Russell, if Norris Cole's coming at you and he's taking off with one leg, reaching for the rim, you stay down. Don't jump. Don't jump. Don't <laughs> don't. It, why would you embarrass yourself like that? You, you, you're gonna get put on a poster, guys. That's all I'm gonna say. And Norris Cole had something about him, Daniel, and that he came up to dunk like nobody else. He didn't even bother landing, you know? No. He would no. just say, gravity, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. I'll fall. I'll fall. But I have 99 injury. You know, I'm not going to get injury. I'm not going to get injured. I'm Norse fucking Cole. And yeah. he just created this whole family atmosphere, too, around the Miami Heat organization. Daniel, it's another thing I want to talk about. I remember going to Heat games during the Norse Cole era, and... I would see his family van parked outside the AAA, and it was a it was like a minivan, right? I think it was like dark green, and people got to sign it. They got to be part of the history of Norris Cole, and honestly, to have had the pr- pleasure, to have had the pleasure, to have had the honor, to be just a small part, just a tiny part, Daniel, in Norris Cole's immense legacy, it was an honor. It really was. It was a yeah. true, like... I could win awards for whatever I do later on in my life, but nothing will come close to being able to be within the same vicinity as Norris Cole. Daniel, you had something? Yeah, you know, I was going to say something that really helped, you know, the Miami Heat win those championships was uh, was the culture. We talk a lot about Miami Heat culture, right? And how we're a winning culture, how we're a family culture. Well, that really came from Norris Cole, you know? I mean, talking about bringing his family van to game. Who does that? Who does that? What have you ever heard about an NBA player bringing their family van to the arena for people to sign? There's nothing more combining, more unifying than that. And I think I think when we talk about Miami Heat culture, we have to give 100% props to Norris Cole. And the most important thing, Daniel, in all of this, the two championships— I remember after that second championship was won, after Chris Bosh made that pass to Mario Chalmers in Game 7 with a heat up 95-88 to against the San Antonio Spurs, and Mario Chalmers obviously traveled, but there was zero seconds left. It was over. The Heat had won the championship. We knew that Norris Cole was destined. He was destined not only for greatness, not only for legendary status, but for being a god of the game, Rockefeller chain, for having, you know, potentially being on pace to getting 12 championships and overtaking Bill Russell and being that man who hands out the championship MVP trophy after, you know, every finals. Not one, not two, not three, not four, 
Now that doesn't sound so much like a joke anymore, does it? Now it sounds like a mother threat! <laughs> Give it to me again! Yeah. Give it to me again! Championship rinse! Yeah, you know, uh, we knew that that, that that time was coming, but I think Norris Cole, he had bigger plans. You know? I mean, bigger plans than basketball. He wanted to help the world. And how could how could only somebody of his caliber do that? He had to bring the game with him. And that's why he left the NBA in 2017. And he played for the best team in the Middle East. Yeah, Daniel, if Norris Cole was still in the NBA, he would have had, like, what, seven championships by now? I'd have to do the math right. But he is so unselfish that he decided, hey, I'm going to play for the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm going to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But... I got to make this look like somewhat real, you know? I can't win a championship every year because then it would just be unfair. He was right. so gracious to his competitors, and he really rose the level of play in the NBA to the level where he said, my work here is done. I'm going to go to Maccabi Tel Aviv. I'm going to go to the best, the biggest team in the Holy Land, and I'm going to lead them to a, t- to a title. I'm going to lead them. To- I'm going to lead them to a title, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Yeah, listen, the man went to one of the best teams ever, uh, and he said, we're going to be great. This is how we did it. This is how he said, you want to know how LeBron did it? Here's how LeBron did it. He had the blueprint, right? And he led them. Listen, there was probably no player as dominant in the Middle East as Norris Cole was. I mean, struck fear into defenders' eyes, was a god of the game, like you said, and was relentless. Oh, relentless. of course. I mean, what what were his... He played like what? He averaged 12.6, 1.1 steals, 3.8 assists. Monster. Monster. And he's fa- he's faced so much adversity. He faced a lot of um, adversity in the NBA. And to be able to get over that Middle East conflict and to win a championship in Israel, I think it sealed his legacy, Daniel. And then he said, hey, you know, I brought peace to the Middle East in terms of the basketball league. But now let me go to Europe. You know, let me go to the Big E, to the European Union. Let me play in Italy. Let me play in Montenegro. And let me play in the French League in Monaco. And let me grace them with my talents too. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're looking at what he's done throughout the world, starting in 2007, playing for Cleveland State, learning how to grow an average 21.7 in college in college i mean it doesn't get much better it doesn't it really doesn't get much better it does not he, does not get better norris cole he's not a backwards hat kind of guy wow he's not he's a front hat kind of guy you want to know why because he's a winner he doesn't take no for an answer listen Norris Cole going to the Middle East and to Europe and learning all of these different styles of game just shows how how smart he is. How can you go and play in so many different types of leagues and be able to learn and grasp all the information from each different style of play with so many different types of teams? Well, here's the thing, Daniel. He didn't do that. He imparted his wisdom on them. They learned from him. They learned from Norris Cole. And those teams 
and the other parts of the world that he went to, you know, he traveled the world and they should be thankful for him. They really should. You know, his jersey should be retired in the American Airlines arena. It should be retired in Tel Aviv. It should be retired in Italy, in Montenegro. Honestly, Norris Cole, Daniel, Norris Cole's jersey should be retired in every basketball arena across the world. And that just speaks to the impact that he's had on the game of basketball. You know, we talk about Michael Jordan having this huge 10-part documentary coming out this weekend. I want a 100-part documentary on Norris Cole's career. And I, I don't know if that's enough. You know, a lot of people might be upset saying, hey, Thomas, you know, I think that we need a thousand episodes on Norris Cole because of what he's done. We haven't even talked about his time in the National Honor Society in his high school. We haven't even talked about him as an ambassador to Yemen for the United States of America. There's just so much to talk about, Daniel. There's so much to talk about for Norris Cole. And, you know, on that note, we could be here for the rest of the day. Um, We've actually been here in the studio for the last 13 hours. It's kind of embarrassing to say it. We spent the last 13 hours recording this podcast. Everything you heard at the top of the show about how busy our day has been, it's just because we've been recording this over and over because we know we need to get it just right and have that Norris Cole championship mentality, Daniel. But you know what? I've said enough. Uh, Why don't you take it away on this special episode? Happy birthday, JP Morgan. I thought that was good. That was good. That was a good episode. <laughs> All right. Roll the intro music. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go.